found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back. Um, Jason, um, I know I actually don't have any sightings this week. So no sightings. One thing I can't talk about this week is sightings. Wow. So, I'll know a few of any, but I've got nothing this week for that. So the sighting section is mm-hmm. unsighted. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen anything on the road this week. Noteworthy. Um, I did go to a car show with Kelsey the other day. Okay. And saw, saw some cool things, which is one of my topics of the evening. Okay. We'll yeah, in, shoot. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Or if you want to do it now. Yeah. So there's some really cool stuff that we saw. It was like a, um, I don't know what the event was. It was like a fundraiser or something for a church. Okay. Um, but surprisingly had like a good amount of cars. And something I saw was, have you ever seen the movie Old School? Uh, once, long time ago. Do you remember there's a part when like, they seal the old guy? I don't remember blue. anything from it. <laughs> So there's a part where they, they, they throw the oldest old guy blue into the into the like this old like 70s van. Okay. And it's, it has like side pipes and everything, and it, and it just like took off. So I saw it was there was something like that. It was a Chevy van. I want to say like late 80s maybe, but it was totally redone, and it was one of those things where it had it had a book in it, you know, detailing all the. Uh, work that went into it and everything like that mm-hmm. um but it was really cool it was really well done it's super clean and it, it the door the side door wasn't a slider it was like it like opened and then what like i don't know, like like that and then like a gold link yeah exactly but it but it, it like it was like an, it would operate as like an awning so like once okay. it was up, you had it would be like yeah. basically like there was like an awning there. Okay. And I thought to myself, I thought, man, this would be really cool to have like a tailgate vehicle. Cause like okay. once you see the pictures, like the inside was cool, there was places to sit, you know, you had this little awning there, and I was just like, wow, like it would be great to go to a concert or like a football game or something. Oh, okay. Just hang out in that. Usually like those these types of vans have like the shag carpeting and they're all like done up in the era, but this one, to me, seemed like kind of a, mo- like a modern flair to it. Uh-huh. And I thought it was cool. I was, I was that would be really cool to have if if you had space and had a, you know, all kinds of money, just like a fun toy to have. Yeah, looks like um, he did a good job with it. Yeah, it was really it was really well done. I thought I didn't talk to the guy or anything, but um, find it interesting oh. that there's. The two front seats and nothing in the back except for some speakers. They aren't like super big subwoofers. It's just like a, f- a few speakers, like you know, normal size speakers, like nothing outrageous. Yeah, but that's what I like though, because you know, I feel like a lot of times people go over the top with that kind of stuff. And this but one, what would, had... you, what would you do with all that area though? Because um, there's nowhere to sit. Well, so do you see where those little cars are? And you could sit around there. There were like ledges where you could sit. Um, okay. I'd probably put like a bean bag or something in there. Yeah, I could see that. But um, I was just like, man, that'd be so much. That'd be so fun to go to a concert in or like a game. Yeah, I can see the uh, lift in the side door, and all just you just see this big puff of smoke come out of it. Right. 
that's initially what I thought too. So there was that. There was like a couple of army trucks I thought were cool. Um, there was like a '61 Lincoln Continental. Okay. Which I always like them with the suicide doors. Right. Which they're really you, iconic. Yeah, they are. And funny thing, there was. Remember when they had the? They brought back the Continental a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I think maybe a few years after that, there was a special edition with the suicide doors. Yep. And then back then, I think it was like a $120,000 car, which you could get the Lincoln Continental for like 45 or 50 or maybe a little bit more than that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, remember how much they were, but it was, yeah, they, the Continental, which they didn't sell many of. Um, of this generation they just didn't sell many of them and then they did offer that special package with the rear suicide doors but um, the I think they missed the mark with this Continental because they couldn't really compete like theoretically it would compete with like an S-Class or an Audi A8 or something like that that size but they essentially took a, a Taurus and just kind of stretched it and then mm. made it more luxurious inside. And it was like a kind of like a halfway step. Like they didn't really want to commit to a big full-size luxury sedan. So they mm. just modified the Taurus and it didn't have that much room in it because the Taurus is actually not very big inside mm. because of the all-wheel drive platform and everything like that. They just didn't do a very good engineer job engineering it. Um, and actually, I think, I feel like when they first came out with them, and all the police departments were considering replacing the Crown Vicks with those. Yeah. They, a lot of them didn't like it. And that's when they started looking for other options because there was a lot less room in the Taurus than uh, the Crown Vic. Mm-hmm. So they had to find something that offered them more room because obviously you need room in the back uh, right. and you need room for the, for the front seat as well. So that was something to keep in mind. But the Continental didn't offer that much more room over like an MKS, which was the Lincoln Taurus, essentially. And they don't, I mean, I know that Ford isn't making cars anymore, aside from the Mustang. So I guess Lincoln also isn't making cars at this anymore, right? I don't think so. Yeah, just SUVs and things like that. Yeah, I think it's just the Corsair and the Navigator and the Aviator. And I think that's it. I think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they don't, they can't compete with, with the German you know, luxury, like, like the Audi and BMW, it's just a totally different class of vehicle. In my I, think they just, I think they just don't want to put the money into it to compete. Like they probably, I'm sure they could build a world-class vehicle that would compete with, you know, the establishment. But yeah. I think they, for some reason, because there are low sales for Lincoln, mm-hmm. they don't want to put the resources into it. And so it's a vicious cycle where there's no, not a lot of resources. So their product isn't very, um, appealing to you know buyers of those high-end luxury vehicles and so the same people that keep buying them are the same people that have always bought them which is a small market mm-hmm. and then so they don't have incentive to put any more into development and stuff so you know they either they either need to commit and make some great products or just stop linking altogether i think in my opinion i agree with you i think it's the too bland there's nothing nothing that special about them Right. They don't. They don't have like an enthusiast market, really. 
Um, and when you're spending that kind of money, you might as well get a better performing car or a little more luxurious vehicle because they're yeah. not that cheap, you know? And there's not that much to differentiate them from a Ford product with the Platinum package. Mm-hmm. So like an Expedition EL with Platinum package or, um, you know, something like that, you can get prob- pretty much all the same features in the Ford with the Platinum package that you do in the Lincoln. Mm-hmm. The do only difference the- is it looks a little bit different and you have, in some cases, a different dealership. True. I think it's a lot of people just want that name. Maybe. Um, do you remember the Blackwood, the Lincoln Blackwood? <laughs> yeah. It was like a pickup truck that like really wasn't a pickup truck. It like was the, the F-150 Super Crew. And the the uh, the bed had a tuxedo. It was black with pinstripe, mm-hmm. like thin pinstripes, like a tuxedo, um, horizontally from front to back. And from I remember correctly, it was uh, the the bed was carpeted and not bare metal. And, and it, it had, had a, the, pa- a power tonneau cover. Did it? Okay, I didn't remember that, but yeah, it, it was like. Up. And at that point, no one understood the point of a luxury truck. Yeah. You know, um, because it didn't exist. And then they're like, okay, well, it's not selling. So then a couple of years later, they tried the Mark LT, Mm -hmm. which was essentially the same thing again. And then what they figured out was people didn't buy that, but they bought $70,000 F-150 with all the options, Mm. which is exactly the same. And they didn't have to, and it costs almost the same. And they didn't have to re-engineer a vehicle to look a little bit different for the Lincoln brand. So yeah. they just started selling, okay, well, we've got the Eddie, the uh, King Ranch and we've got the, the Platinum and we've got, you know, whatever other trim packages they have. And so it just made more sense for Ford. They had to do less development and it could sell for just as much and they sold more. Well, that's why I think I agree with you on the fact that they should have invested more in making more of a different vehicle. I mean, you could make, like, think about GMC, right, and Chevy. Like, they have similar trucks, but like, but at the same time, they're different. The the Mark LT, the second generation Mark, or I guess it was the first generation Mark LT, but the successor of the Blackwood really didn't look much, like, much different than the F-150 at all. I mean, right. It was like like a front grill, I think, was like the most different thing. Everything else yeah. had like same stuff on it. Yeah. It was it was less of an effort than the Blackwood in some ways because it didn't have that like tuxedo design bed. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, the the Blackwood had the front end headlights and grill of the um, the navigator, which did look a lot like the F-150 and Expedition, but it was still, you know, different enough. Yeah. But on the flip side, the Mark LT didn't look like the Navigator of that generation. The Navigator had oh. special headlights and grill and stuff like that. The Mark LT was literally just a chrome waterfall grill. Yeah. Everything else was the same. Yeah. I also just thinking about it, I think the Blackwood had like a, the, the rear, um, the bed, like the tailgate, I think was like one like open, like a two door open thing. You might if be I'm right. Not, I don't, I don't remember, but that, I could see that happening. 
Yeah, it just didn't make any sense from like a, a truck standpoint, in my opinion. Anyway, we went off on a little tangent there. Um, what's uh, what's on your mind? So I saw a couple of um, news articles today that I thought were interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The first one is the uh, where is it here? The IIHS, the Institute International Institute for Highway Safety, I believe mm-hmm. it stands for. Um, mm-hmm. One of the two big testing agencies. Um, after finally they updated their side impact crash testing, mm-hmm. so they haven't updated that since two thousand three. Mm-hmm. And in November of 19, they announced that they were going to change it so that automakers had time to kind of increase the side protection and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've, they have now started testing it with the new regimen. And so the old test was, uh, and I don't know if you've seen side impact tests, but basically the car is sitting in the test facility mm-hmm. and this, this ram with wheels uh, mm-hmm. is driven towards it at... Um, a certain speed. And so essentially, if you look at, um, it's just a frame with four wheels and like weights in it. And then there's a crash um, structure on the front of it to replicate a vehicle. And also it's replaceable so they can use the same RAM for multiple tests. So it used to be um, a 3,300 pound barrier at 31 miles an hour hitting the side of a car. That's, that was last updated in 2003. So what they decided was vehicles in the last almost 20 years have gotten obviously significantly bigger. They're heavier. Uh, they sit higher. There's more or larger SUVs on the road than there were 20 years ago. Um, you know, vehicles, the average weight has gone up a lot over the last 20 years. And so what they've done is now the test, it went from 3,300 pound to 4,200 pound barrier. And so basically this, this sled now weighs 900 pounds more. And they're also doing it at 37 miles an hour instead of 31. So a little bit higher speed. Mm-hmm. And the first seven cars they tested, uh, only one got the good rating. Then they got they have two that had acceptable ratings and then four that got a marginal rating um, and three with a poor rating. So there's like four or five ratings. The only one to get the good rating, which is the Subaru Outback, probably got that better rating because it sits higher. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's got a better chance of surviving versus the sedans, the rest of them are sedans that they tested. So like the Jetta, the Elantra, the Malibu, the Ultima, the Camry, things like that. Mm-hmm. So the Malibu, Ultima, and Camry are the ones that got that got the poor rating. And actually, if you go to um the video, which you can usually see their videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you just type in like IIHS crash testing, whatever you want to search for, you can search your own car and things like that. Um, in the video towards the end, they actually show the Impala. And so what's called the B pillar, which is the metal vertical metal piece of frame between the front and rear doors, the bottom portion of that actually detached from the frame oh. of the vehicle. Jeez. Um, and so obviously there was a lot more intrusion into the occupant area than yeah. in some of the other cars. And so the purpose of this, you know, cars are getting bigger, their vehicles are getting larger and things like that. So we need to make smaller cars safer. And mm-hmm. there's a kind of two ar- sides of that argument. Like the one side, it does make sense to make them stronger. It's always good to make a safer car. But at the same time, 
can we also rethink taking weight out of cars so that they're not so big and heavy? You know, why does it always have to be the person that wants a small economical car that's got to suffer by having now a larger car that's bigger versus, mm. you know, can we find ways to mitigate the effect of a larger vehicle on a smaller vehicle? Mm. For example, in the late 90s when the excursion came out. Yes, love that. Sat, <laughs> I did too. Um, <laughs> they sat higher. And so that was the first generation of vehicles where because they were more mainstream, Ford actually, I think the government kind of pushed them to, but Ford designed the bumper to sit lower than it originally was intended. Interesting. By like five or six inches. And so that mm. just lowers the point of impact and makes it safer in that way. So like, let's, I think it's a combination of things like make cars safer and mm -hmm. also make larger cars have less effect on, on other things. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, like less dangerous kind of. Yeah, in, in but I thought way. that was interesting. I they've done they've done a lot of updates to their like side or not side the um the offset frontal crashes. So like mm -hmm. if you strike another vehicle, an oncoming car, they've mm -hmm. changed that a couple of times over the last twenty years. But this one hasn't been touched. So current cars are designed to pass a twenty year old test, which isn't really relevant anymore. So I'm glad to see that yeah. they did update it. Yeah, that's good. Are they still using crash test dummies? Yes. They probably don't look the same now. Remember, like the '80s commercials they had the they crash do. test dummies. Do they really? For the most part, yeah. And they actually said that in the article is that for this testing they use two female dummies because there's male and female. They're, yeah, you know, slightly smaller. They also have child sized dummies that they put in various positions. Um, mm -hmm. But they put a female dummy in the driver's seat and a female dummy in the left side back seat and then rammed the test machine against that driver's side. Um, and they used the female dummies because they are designed smaller to mm. see how it would affect a lower car with a smaller occupant in it. So kind of like worst case scenario. Do you remember it's, those guys? Yeah. From like the, the old ones. Um, like the, yeah. I don't know what the commercials were. Maybe like a drunk driving commercial or something. I think, it, I think you might be right. But they were always funny to me. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, that, that's awesome that, that we're seeing that. Do you know what the Jetta got? I'm just curious. That one received the acceptable rating for the side impact. And that's mm. the current, um, I guess you'd call a Mark 8 Jetta. Mm. And let's see, the Jetta, because they so actually like the have the full, they've had the full listing on here. No, the A4 is a, a separate vehicle. But it's similar, um, though. Like, it's similar. No. Right? The, the Jetta is related to the A3. That's right. I'm thinking of the Passat. They still make the Passat? They do, but it's also not related to the A4 at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as far as the overall crash test rating, the Jetta had an acceptable for overall. Um, the structure and safety cage was good. The head and neck injury was good. The torso was acceptable. Pelvis was marginal. Driver head protection, good. Head and neck for the rear passengers, good. Rear passenger, torso marginal. Rear passenger pelvis, acceptable. Rear passenger head protection, good. So good means that the curtain airbags that go down over the side doors, um, mm -hmm. they're working well. Uh, but the, the lower portion, basically from your rib cage down to your hips, um, they aren't faring so well in this test. Gotcha. There's like airbags everywhere these days. 
I mean, literally, if you get into a serious accident, you're, you'll be in like a big pillow. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And there's more and more depending on, you know, it's what year you have and the different packages. My car actually, for how small it is, I have, um, I have the two front. I have the one inside of the, the seats. So like the, the, the torso one. Then I have one that comes out of the door as well. Wow, really? Oh, I have six airbags in my little car. Jeez, and that's pretty impressive for, for the year as well. Yeah, that's uh, 16, almost 17 years ago. Well, impressive. realistically, that car was designed in like 03, 04, and it was launched in 05. So, you know, it's going on 20 years. And it always makes me not laugh, but it's interesting to see when, you know, like the, like the new thing is promoted, like, oh, this car has this. So, like, I remember seeing cars that had, you know, like the badge on the back that said, like, anti-lock brakes. You know, like, right. would, like everything has that now. Like, motorcycles right. have that. But, like, back in the 90s, like, oh, cool, like, you have ABS, that's great. And then, like, you know, passenger airbags, like, just a second one was, like, a right. big deal, you know? And now, yeah. now, now cars have like 10 airbags in them, like on an economy car. And speaking of uh, ABS, I always thought it was interesting that when they first came out with that, mm. they would only do two wheel ABS. So like very mm. few cars had four wheel ABS. And like my dad, he had a the truck I'm thinking of was an 89 Ranger. Oh yeah. Truck, rear. Trucks, trucks seem to do this um, most, or at least was most notable to me. The front did not have ABS, but the mm -hmm. rear did. So I'm like, why would you want your front tires to lock up? And then the rear just rolls, you know, just ro keeps rolling. Like at, the rear doesn't do that much in braking in general. Like it's mm -hmm. usually about 60, 65% front braking just because of physics partly. Um, and also for control and stuff like that. So why would you not want the, if you have two wheel ABS, put it on the front. I guess maybe the, the only thing I can think of is they didn't want the rear tires to lock and then spin the vehicle, but mm. what that you're defeating the purpose of having ABS if your front tires are locking up because you can't steer. That's the complete point of ABS is you can steer around something as you're braking. I would like to see that as a test, like two identical Rangers, and then have you know have them do a test with rear ABS, and then do a test with front ABS and see what the differences are. Yeah, I imagine at the car manufacturers that they did that testing or they maybe did it in a computer to calculate it. But I don't, yeah, it would be interesting to see what would actually happen. I totally forgot about that. Cause I'm, you know, you, I, you look at road and track and they have all the, you know, like the specs on the car. So I remember seeing like, you know, front disc, rear drum, rear ABS. I saw something today that I thought was really interesting. Um, Hyundai is coming out with like a manual, like a full-blown manual, but no clutch. And it's maybe not coming out, but maybe bringing it to the States. I think it, I think they use it elsewhere, like in another country somewhere. And basically you shift. So you got, you know, you have a shifter, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, and there's a, uh, like a sensor or something inside the shift mechanism that senses when you are about to get it's it knows that you're about to shift gears okay and it, and it will you know 
engage the clutch or just engage the clutch, whatever you're doing, so you can shift gear. Yeah, it says there's there's an intention sensor, yeah, which yeah, detects yeah. and predicts when you're going to shift. I don't understand how it can do that, but whatever. I'm curious. I'm curious to see your thoughts on it because I mean I know that you're you're like um, a very clear like manual transmission, three pedals. You know, so what like what do you think about that? It'd be nice for not tra- in traffic. I don't know what the point is. Like, why not just like, why not just get an automatic, especially because they have like dual clutch transmissions that literally are an automated manual. Like, why not just have a very good dual clutch that is just as good? I guess because it makes you feel like you're shifting without like, I don't know, having to depress the clutch pedal. I don't know. I personally, I think it's cool that they're exploring that for technology but from a driver standpoint, either either have a manual or don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's only for India. India, that's interesting. Maybe that's their automatic. Like maybe they only oh. have man- manuals there. And maybe don't I don't know. But I that's a good point. I don't really see the point in it. I mean it's it's interesting from a technology standpoint. I, I can I'll give it that. I immediately thought of you though. I was like, I can't wait to ask. Isaac about this question. <laughs> uh, speaking of tech, I mm-hmm. found another article today um, about this new radar technology that they're bringing out that can see around buildings and potentially through objects. But essentially, it's there. There's this company developing two types of low frequency radar, and so the wavelengths, you know, are different than like a high frequency radar. And essentially what it does is the lower the frequency, just imagine like a ripple wave in like water. So Mm -hmm. if you just have this wave that's going really slowly through the water, the wave can actually, uh, they call it refract around objects. So essentially the, the sharp object kind of pulls the ripple around it and then it can continue. And then when it hits something like an object, then it bounces off of that and comes back towards the sensor. And so with this type of radar, they can help to see around buildings. So when you're coming up on an intersection, the car can know if there's you know cross traffic coming and things like that. There's two frequencies. The lowest frequency is good for detecting pedestrians, like through cars. And then the, the higher of the two low frequency is for like objects on the other side of buildings. So other cars and stuff like that. So it's interesting. It doesn't sound like it's anything that's coming anytime soon, but it's, you know, people are always innovating. And I think it'll be cool to see how this develops. So you're talking from like a driver assistance perspective. Yeah. And collision avoidance and things like that. Accident yeah. mitigation. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, I think the reason it was, it's being developed is to help pave the way for autonomous cars. No, but even no. from a normal car standpoint, if it can detect that you're on, say, say you're on a, a road that is only a two-way stop, so cross traffic is stopping, you're continuing. Mm-hmm. It can, it can probably, I imagine the intention, the intent is to have it read cars coming from the sides, and see are those cars slowing down quickly enough as I think it should, you know, to try to prepare for that. So it could do things like have the collision sensors ready to detect an impact or something like that. And they charge them up. Yeah. 
I don't want to talk about autonomous cars. <laughs> They're not coming for a long time. Don't worry. We'll be there one day, though. We'll see. There's there's a lot of stuff in the background that is going to be figured out before we get there. Twenty years from now, maybe thirty years yeah. from now. Yeah. <laughs> I have a. Uh, I got a gift card. I was talking to Kelsey. She was like, "Oh, let's pay a bill with that, or you know, do something smart with it." I'm like, "No, it's free money. Like we have to waste it." So <laughs> I'm think I'm trying to find something like, car related or something to purchase. And I don't know if I talked to you about this before. I think I may have. I've seen people. Do you know if the A3 S3 has an uh, an ambient light kit from the factory? I think it depends on the trim level. So, like, but like, so call it the you know the the highest trim level. I don't know. Um, I think it on some cars it was an option, but. You probably have the little light strips on like the the door panels yeah. and the dashboard. And yes. then on some models, if you get a certain package, you can get it where it changes color. So I don't have any of that. My car didn't come with any of that stuff. Really? Yeah. And um, it's probably, I think it's like one of the lower S3 trim lines. But um, I've seen people through... Alibaba, I think, or AliExpress, whatever it was, get right. the get these like interior. It's like a retrofit kit, you know, for the door panels and all that stuff, and it looks pretty good. So like, I'm toying around with that. It's right around two hundred bucks. Um, or you could get the carbon fiber uh, mud guards I showed you. Oh yeah, those are great. I like those. So what was that to to get? I guess to keep like splash from hitting the exterior bumper there yeah essentially like it's just like a normal mud flap it's just instead of made of like rubber it's made out of carbon fiber i like the idea and they actually make them for my car um this company and the only thing is like i already have because on my car the reason i would do it is if you look at the rear bumper and i can show you sometime the mm -hmm. tires have actually from throwing up stones and stuff like that have actually worn through the paint through the primer down to the bare plastic. Wow, really? Yeah, and it's kind of like apparently a known thing. Like it's pretty common on Caymans and Boxsters and probably 911s. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that is you know pretty common. So at some point, if I ever repaint them the rear bumper, I would look at getting these because they're about the same price as a mud flap from like Porsche or you know even a Honda like a Honda mud flap kit for all four corners is you know about the same price. Um, but they're cool. Like they don't stick out very far, but they do protect the, the bumper and they're made of carbon fiber. Like on the one side is carbon fiber with clear coat and the other side is like a rhino lining type thing. Mm -hmm. So it's more, um, you know, wear resistant. So, you know, maybe one day it's on my list of, of little things I may do to the car someday. Is that a new product that you found or I don't you know. Just came it's, across it. It came up. It was an ad um, on Instagram the other day that popped up for me. Well, yeah, because like a lot of time, I don't know. My opinion, mud flaps aren't very appealing. Like old school mud flaps. So right. they're more functional rather than you know beauty. Yeah. But what you showed me, you barely can see those things. You probably yeah. wouldn't even know they were there if you weren't looking for them. 
Yeah, like it's definitely not the, like the big rally flat style flaps that people were putting on like their Focus RSs yeah, and yeah. WRXs and stuff like that. They're not those big gigantic things. Um, yeah. These are just like a small sliver that sticks out from the side of the car. So yeah. I like it. They, they look tasteful um, yeah. and not obnoxious or attention getting or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's important when you're doing any type of modification, especially aftermarket, to keep it tasteful. You know, because I feel like you can quickly turn the car into like an eyesore if you're not careful. Right. For the sake of modification. I agree. Especially so, if you have a German car, like you you don't want to do, I, I don't want to do certain things. I want to keep it tasteful. Like that's one reason yeah. I like German cars is they're, they tend to be a little more subtle. Yes, I agree. Um, did you sell your tires? Not yet. I just listed them the other day. So we'll see. Any bikes yet? Um, just one guy that sent me the, is this available? And then the, mm. I say yes, and they never respond. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I expect that to happen. I'm also not sure what I want to sell them for. So I just have them listed and I'll mm -hmm. tinker with and see what kind of reactions I get. And, yeah. You know, go from there. Nice. I did finally wash the car this weekend. Oh, I saw that. How's it yeah. look? It looks good. It looks like yeah. a clean car again. Did you do your normal um, three hour routine? It was like, yeah, it was like two and a half hours. Uh, I didn't get everything. Um, I kind of took, it was hot. So like I, I cleaned the wheels and then I um, snow foamed it and then I hand washed mm -hmm. it and I cleaned like the windshield and the two side windows, but I didn't, I didn't like do anything with the interior. So it was just enough to get four or five months of road, road grime and brake dust off of it. And how, how is the brake dust on that car? Um, it, after about a week, you can see it accumulating because mm -hmm. of the performance brakes, but brake dust doesn't bother me. It, it was really, it was really thick. Um, it had to be really bad. You it. hadn't watched that thing in a long time. Yeah. But it wasn't as bad as I would expect it to be. Like, like maybe it's cause I don't, I'm not a heavy breaker usually, mm -hmm. um, but like some cars, like their wheels are completely black. Right. Uh, from brake dust mine weren't it was just the brake dust settled in like some of the curves of the wheel mostly and so that's where you saw it like on on the outer rim where the spoke met the outside like near the, near the tire uh, mm -hmm. there's there's a concave area and the brake dust settles in there so that's where you see it first my car gets really bad brake dust i don't know why i still have to do my brakes on that note, before Jason tries to recruit me to work on his car, um, <laughs> we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Thanks again for joining us. You can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love it if you could rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, enjoy the drive.